the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and also as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hope all is well with you and your family. Good program plan for you. Interesting top stories. Uh, some really uh, enlightening economic data that we got this week. And then uh, joining me in just a little bit, Miss Rachel Gresler. She's a senior research fellow, budget and entitlements at the Grover M. Herman Center for the federal budget. Um, and um, she's going to be talking about, um, among other things, the labor situation. So uh, obviously, if you listen to this current administration, they're talking about uh, the labor market being extremely good. Uh, but uh, she wrote a really good piece on this a couple weeks ago that I saw, and um, and y- y- she wanted to come on and talk about it. So we're going to be talking with Miss Gresler in just a little bit, so stay tuned for that. Um, you know, there's a lot going on, obviously, with these top stories. Uh, you see the uh, spending and taxes, uh, that new uh, legislation that was pushed through, uh, split down the aisle 50-50 with uh, Harris casting the uh, the tiebreaker and unfortunately putting that into motion. And I'll touch on that in just a little bit. But some of the things that we're hearing already, um, I saw this week that a former, a former Internal Revenue Service lawyer Uh, William Henk was forced out after making allegations of internal malfeasance at the IRS. He said the government will target middle-income Americans with new audits under uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is really Build Back Better, of course. They just changed the name, and uh, uh, people that are in the dark fell for it, and Joe Manchin sold his soul. Um, But Mr. Henk, uh, he worked at the IRS for 30 years until departing uh, back in 2017. He slammed the IRS and others who have argued additional funding would only result in increased audits for billionaires and corporations. He said um, that this is this new legislation is near is going to nearly double the IRS budget. Uh, the idea that they're going to open things up and go after these big billionaires and lo- uh, large corporations is, quite frankly, bull you-know-what, according to Mr. Uh, Henk. He said it's not going to happen. They're going to give themselves bonuses and promotions and really nice conferences and that the big corporations and billionaires are probably sitting back laughing right now uh, as he continued to make comments about this. He added that he thought it was insane to double the agency's budget. He said the IRS will target businesses who don't have enough money to hire Washington lobbyists, uh, Americans with an annual income of less than $75,000 would be subject to nearly $711,000 new IRS audits under this uh, legislation. So by comparison, individuals making more than 500000 will receive about 95000 additional audits, whereas, as I mentioned, less than 75000 
will be subject to nearly 711,000. It's just just insane. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, This is really, really poor legislation, just like all of the legislation we've seen from uh, this administration. They passed uh, what was supposedly... Uh, an infrastructure bill, and it wasn't. It had a bunch of new garbage in it that had to do with uh, climate, weather, that that type of stuff. Really, it was just payoffs. And the uh, the um, uh, Republicans that went along with that, I want to say there was 13. I hope they all lose. I hope they all get thrown out of office um, because it wasn't a true infrastructure plan, which, of course, all of us know, at least those of us that drive, Um, that, you know, we really, really need traditional infrastructure repairs for roads and bridges and sewerage systems and water treatment plants and you name it. And we know that we need that. And they stuffed it with a bunch of garbage and pork instead. So really uh, unfortunate that that happened. Um, And obviously all this spending uh, was in part Uh, the cause of this uh, 40-year high inflation that people uh, are literally having to deal with every single day, all day long. Um, And anybody that wants to brag about uh, the July number should get uh, a good punch in the mouth because um, inflation is still extremely high. And uh, like I said, it's it's, uh, crippling. a, a lot of families and individuals out there, especially those who, who can't handle it, uh, those on fixed income, the poor, the single moms, uh, they're the ones making sometimes life and death type of uh, choices, whether it's to pay for energy, pay for food, pay for health care, pay for apparel, um, all of those things, especially as we get to the back-to-school season. Um, So we're watching it very closely. And um, back to the IRS real quick before I forget. Janet Yellen on Wednesday asked the IRS to develop an operational plan for deploying the $80 billion in new funding that is allocated under the Democrats' health care and climate change spending package that uh, I mentioned. So she sent a memo to the IRS commissioner And Yellen was saying that the influx of funding over uh, the the years to come is a significant operational challenge that ultimately allows for a monumental opportunity to reshape the tax collecting agency. This is all scary. This is all scary stuff. I mean, you're talking about 87,000 new IRS agents. Um, Obviously, this uh, the IRS has a very, very poor reputation. Uh, they've uh, during the Obama administration in particular, they were caught with egg on their face um, for discriminating against certain nonprofits that they didn't agree with. This just gets back to the deep state, um, you know, all of the damage that's done by those that are uh, not elected. So um, and I just want to say I say this once in a while, I should say it more Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of the uh, government workers who hold the line and do an honest day's work 
and abide by the Constitution and at times, uh, fortunately, uh, become whistleblowers like we're seeing at the FBI and in other agencies uh, for all of the abuses and the damage being done. So for those of you that do that, uh, thank you so much. Uh, All of us really appreciate it. Uh, Sometimes, uh, well, most of the time, we we don't know who you are or what you're doing, but you're – in, in, in a way, you're saving the country from uh, more destruction. So thank you for that. So, um, you know, just in the next five years alone, just the next five years, the IRS wants to hire at least 50,000 new employees. How do you think that's going to go? So providing the IRS with an influx of funding has been a top priority for Democrats you wonder why. Uh, I mean, I mentioned they're not going after their donors. They're not going after the the wealthy and the corporations. They're coming for you. So they just, uh, again, the Build Back Better, that's what this uh, in- Inflation Reduction Act is. It's just a different pig with, um, or actually it's the same pig with more lipstick on it because they changed the name to make it sound good. Um but it's obviously getting a lot of pushback from fiscal um, and social conservatives, conservatives who they've said that uh, this beefed up IRS could ultimately hurt lower income Americans. I thought this was supposed to be this was going to be an administration for number one uniting, which, of course, is a joke. The um, the, the citizens of of this great republic. Uh, but also that you're going to take care of the the folks at the bottom of the totem pole. What a bunch of garbage. What, because you want to send them a, a free check and just drive up our uh, our debt even more and hang it on the uh, backs of our children and grandchildren? So uh, it, it, the one piece I saw, you know, I just mentioned it was $75,000 or less was going to have 711000 additional audits. I even saw where households with less than $25,000 in earnings are five times as likely to be audited by the IRS than anyone else. That was according to a recent analysis of tax data by the Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse at Syracuse University. So just what somebody, you know, or, or a young couple Working hard, maybe trying to build a family, only making twenty five grand, and they're going to get tar- targeted for audits, according to this uh, study from Syracuse University. This is not good, uh, and we're just going to stay on top of it and talk about it because, as always, uh, over twenty four years here on the program, we talk about the truth, and I know it makes people you know uncomfortable and. It hurts some people's feelings. Who cares? You know, this isn't about feelings. This is about, like I said, it's about our country. It's about our children, our grandchildren. So we're going to throw it out there so everybody knows. And even the liberal, um, who is, by the way, the darling of Wall Street, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, was saying that boosting natural gas production here in the United States of America 
was not at odds with the goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And, you know, he said, look, we should focus on climate. The problem is that because of high oil and gas prices, the world is turning uh, back to dirtier forms of energy. Of course, we do it the best here in the United States. So I guess he was talking about China and India and uh, Russia, those that really don't care at all about the environment or what they put into it, whereas we Americans have been the vanguard for that, um, I want to say forever. And you know who's at the very front? Farmers who've always been recyclers. Before it became cool when you got a little bin to put at the end of your driveway, they were recyclers. And yet you have all these people that say they care about the environment or the climate, which, of course, is just it's a a word or words they use that encompasses whatever they want. They're never specific. They don't have any good facts. They won't debate. What have I been saying? 10, 15, probably 15 years. Have a debate. Let's get a university somewhere to host it. Let's get a moderator that everybody believes on uh, believes will be fair and impartial. Let's get experts on both sides and get after it. Instead of all of this, pushing this legislation with paybacks and pay forwards and all the corruption in the name of weather, started with Al Gore. You know, he leaves the White House. When did I talk? Well, obviously, decades ago. When Al Gore left the White House, I think he was worth $1 or $2 million. And a lot of that was his dad, who was also uh, a United States senator. Um, He had a lot of stock in um, um, Occidental Petroleum. (laughs) That's That's pretty funny, isn't it? That's where the wealth came from. And then he decides when he gets out, partners up with a money manager from Goldman Sachs and creates this, uh, this, this weather narrative and ends up not too many years later after he left with $100 million. Still, you know, going around in their private jets and having huge, huge uh, mansions. Uh, and I don't know, I don't follow Al Gore, but, you know, just some of the things that I, I purposely followed him for a while to see what a hypocrite he was. But they're all like that. John Kerry's even worse. What a joke. That guy just needs to go away. He keeps getting caught being a hypocrite, and he doesn't care because he doesn't care about you. Um, you know, and he doesn't care about the environment. He cares about power and money. And influence. So um, back to Jamie Dimon, at, uh, the CEO of J.P. Morgan. Um, you know, this is a guy, by the way, that just got over $52 million in stock options awarded uh, last year to stay on the job. Um, so, you know, for him to make a common sense uh, comment about boosting natural gas production here in the United States being a good thing. I mean, I'm not going to pat him on the back. Like I said, it's just common sense, but people are making it out like it's a big deal and, you know, he should shut up and get on the climate change um, bandwagon even more than what he is. He said that, um, 
J.P. Morgan is pledged to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 in accordance with the Paris Agreement. Guess what? We're America, Jamie Dimon. We're not France. You know, France has to listen to what comes out of Brussels, Brussels, the, uh, where the European Union is, is based. We don't have to do that. We don't need you telling us that we need to be like France. We're America. So, you know, I mean, you are going to be around, it sounds like, because you just got $52 million, which is good for you. That's capitalism at its best. Um, but you're going to be around as CEO for a while longer, so I'm sure I'll be uh, talking about some of those uh, additional quotes that you're going to have. Something I wanted you to know, global shipping problems may continue to wreak havoc for much longer than anticipated. And this is according to the logistics giant EV Cargo. EV Cargo is one of the largest providers of transport, logistics, and freight forwarding services across the world. And it operates in 150 countries. They carry about $60 billion of merchandise a year. And the founder and CEO, a guy's name is, uh, his name is Heath Zarin, said that the problems that have plagued the shipping industry and impacted prices will likely take years to fully resolve. I know you don't want to hear that. I sure don't. But it's something that, you know, we need to take into consideration. And what does that do? That reminds us of the importance of um, being self-sustaining. So bringing back, we don't have to worry about supply chain issues overseas, for example, or what's going on in the South China Sea and if Taiwan's going to be able to get us uh, semiconductor chips or any of the other stuff. We need, and of course, President Trump uh, started this four years ago, I guess it was, with Intel and others announcing uh, billions and billions of dollars in spending here in the United States to build manufacturing facilities. So that's what needs to be done with everything. That needs to be done with technology, especially food and, and, and manufacturing, so we don't have to worry about parts and not being able to get them. We need to make it business-friendly once again here in the United States, like we saw with the past administration, where trillions of dollars were being repatriated that had been out of the country because of taxes um, and, and a lot of other things. We need to get back on that, on that path for sure. You know, there's a new poll by Rasmussen Reports. It was published on August the 9th showing that inflation is crippling American households with 89% of the 1,000 U.S. adults that were surveyed said that they're paying more for groceries now than they were a year ago, and 61% anticipate the amount they spend on groceries to be even higher a year from now. That's scary and sad uh, because, like I said, some people are making very, very difficult uh, decisions, to say the least. All right, going to take a quick break. Want to let you know our latest white paper, Will a Recession Rob Your Retirement? I know people want to redefine uh, in uh, a recession, but again, textbook is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, and we've had that. So um, will a recession rob your retirement? Four things to check now. 
So um, it's a uh, it's a quick read. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right on the homepage. You tap the button. It goes right to your email, and you can read it and get informed and enjoy it and um, make notes on it, whatever you want to do. That's why we put these papers up there for you to help you be better educated and better informed. So we're um, going to take that quick break, and then when we come back, got some economic data you're going to want to hear. Stay tuned. talk you just can't ignore 930 WFMD Welcome back this is Chris Murray your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at wfmd.com and as a podcast just go to Apple Podcasts thanks so much for being with us this weekend hope all is well talked about some economic data you know it's Actually, some of it we really didn't want to see. Um, home builders, for example, the confidence among home builders in the U.S. housing market plunged more than expected this month to the lowest level since the beginning of the virus. So you've got obviously this painfully high inflation and then the uh, rising borrowing costs forced potential buyers to pull back. So the National Association of Home Builders, their housing market index fell for the eighth consecutive month to a reading of 49, making it the worst stretch for the housing market since the two, uh, 2008 uh, housing bust and financial crisis. So, And the index has fallen considerably from just one year ago when it stood at, uh, at 80, and now we see it down to 49. So, um, of course, before the virus got here in November 2020, we saw housing at a 35-year high, or confidence, I should say, at a 35-year high of a reading at 90. So you look back at this data, that's what I mean. We just have to get back to the way things were with uh, free open markets, lower taxes, just government leave, get out of the way, quit growing. I mean, that's what we're seeing with all this spending you know, the government and the elite wanting to control everything, get out of the way. We're not going to, you're not going to put up with that. So then on top of that, housing starts, um, they fell to a 17 month low. They were down 9.6%. Um, building permits were down and then existing home sales were down. 5.9%, I think it was, from the previous month. And over, tw- uh, I want to say over 20% year over year. I mean, it was just, uh, it, it was terrible that when you looked at the housing data. And actually, when that existing home sales data came out, uh, Lawrence Yun, who's the uh, chief economist at the National Association of Realtors, said that uh, part of that sector is in a recession. He used the word. Didn't try to redefine it. <laughs> he just said, gave you the truth. This is what's going on. So um, not 
not good stuff. Retail sales were flat. Economists were looking for them to be up in uh, July by just uh, one-tenth of one percent. They weren't. They were flat. Even with Amazon's Prime Day occurring in July, they thought that would pull the numbers higher. It didn't work out. Um, you've got the retail sales news that, that, that actually came on the heels of Target reporting quarterly earnings that fell 90% from a year ago. So they're spending, you know, and, and trying to say a bunch of different things. Maybe it's the backlash over their LB, uh, LGBTQ or whatever it is, merchandise, including binders, chest binders for little girls. Sick. I hope nobody goes to Target. What about Walmart? Walmart came out and said the customers have shifted their buying to groceries and other necessities with even higher income shoppers becoming price conscious. Well, I guess so. When you look at this inflation, it's insane. It's insane. When we come back, we're going to be talking with my guest this morning, Miss uh, Rachel Gresler. And we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of stuff, but in particular, the jobs market. Is it as good as the administration wants us to believe? So uh, that's right around the corner. Also, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Get the free white paper on the homepage. Will a recession rob your retirement? Uh, Four things to check now. That's at murrayfinancialgroup.com. Back in a minute. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can catch uh, this show or past shows uh, as a podcast. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's going well. As I mentioned right before the break, we were going to be jumping into a really uh, good conversation this morning. Uh, my guest, Miss Rachel Gresler, she's a uh, senior research fellow. Uh, budget and entitlements at the Grover M. Herman Center for the federal budget, uh, along with our other friends over at the Heritage Foundation. Her areas of expertise, jobs and labor and Social Security, and she looks at taxes and pensions, etc. Um, before joining Heritage in 2013, uh, Rachel was a senior economist on the staff of the Joint Economic Committee of the Congress for seven years. She completed her graduate studies at Georgetown University, where she earned a master's in both economics and public policy. She also holds a bachelor's uh, degree in economics from the University of Mary Washington. She grew up in western New York, resides uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, with her husband and six children. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, thanks so much for taking time to uh, to join us. I appreciate it. Um, so obviously, I was just going over your bio as I was introducing you. The first question I have, it sounds like you have a very successful family with your husband and six children. 
How is inflation, uh, especially this past uh, year and a half, how is it impacting you as a mom and uh, and your your household in general? Yeah, well, I mean, we see it everywhere. The grocery bill is always high with six kids. Uh, we go through 10 gallons of milk a week, and so it's been a lot higher these days. But also, you know, we drive a 12-passenger diesel sprinter van, and the price of diesel is still around $5 a gallon. So it's definitely hitting the budget and making it, you know, more difficult to plan for things in the future and to have that extra money left over to save. Yeah, so like I've always said, um, so uh, – I've been doing this program for uh, 24 years. It'll be 25 in November. And I've always said that when you have these types of situations with inflation or other type of economic pains, it hurts the most vulnerable. Um, It hurts the poor, those on fixed income, the single moms out there. So like you said, you know, you're dealing with it and it's painful. Um, I mean, do you have any firsthand knowledge or even secondhand knowledge of how some of those that are vulnerable are are trying to get through this quagmire? Well, I think it's hard because you're, you you know, the labor market is strong. And so people um, are able to get jobs and they're often able to get higher wages. But the impact of inflation is eating away more than the entirety of those wage gains. And so I suspect that some people out there are having to either look for more hours Um, You know, maybe one parent takes on a second part-time job or you have to cut back on certain things. Yeah, and and It's difficult when you have a fixed, you know, a fixed mortgage is great because that doesn't increase over time. But, you know, most lower-income people are facing rent, and rent is another thing that's gone up even more than the overall inflation. Yeah, and and we see that it's a big component of the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, Ryan, as you you mentioned, and and obviously that's really uh, hurting people as well. I know our one son um, down in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, he saw his rent go up uh, $600 a month. So you hear these horror stories uh, where people are trying to figure out how they can, if they want to, uh, remain in a certain place or location or building, but it's extremely hard. It is. And, you know, you have to start making choices, kind of switching the things that you buy, whether that's the groceries that you buy and switching to less expensive products, you know, maybe not purchasing as many of the new items that the kids need for school, Um, definitely cutting back on vacations if that's even something that's in the budget to begin with. But it does force difficult choices. And that also makes me think about the fact that while Americans are facing these difficult choices and sitting around the kitchen table looking at their budgets, the federal budget is exploding. Um, And, you know, politicians are not making those difficult choices, but are instead spending more and more of our future taxpayers' dollars. Yeah, and that's so painful uh, to watch the first part of the program. You know, we were talking about, uh, I still call it Build Back Better because that's really what it is. They just uh, put more lipstick on the pig and renamed it. Um, And it's so unfortunate. Um, So you talked a couple moments ago about, you know, some people uh, in the labor market that uh, might have to take on additional hours or try to find, uh, you know, a side hustle or part-time job, whatever it may be. So uh, on July 29th, you wrote a really good piece that got my attention. Is labor market really as good as Biden administration says? So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. So the labor market seems 
incredibly strong. Um, and I would say that it's kind of the wild card right now as we're looking at two quarters of negative GDP growth, which would signify that we're in a recession. We still have a huge number of job openings out there, nearly two job openings for every unemployed worker. Um, and so it seems great if you're an individual who's looking for a job, um, but the reality is is that we haven't increased employment enough. There's all these jobs, but there's not enough people that are actually out there working. You know, the population ages 16 and over has increased by 4.4 million since the start of the pandemic, but we actually have 576,000 fewer people who are working today. Um, so that's a lot of missing workers. And this gets at what was, you know, the cause behind that. And it might be something that makes the labor market seem strong, but really it's kind of been artificially induced by government policies. On the one hand, you had the government essentially paying people not to work, and that was reducing the supply of available workers. And on the other hand, they're massively increasing spending so-called stimulus spending, and that's increasing the demand for workers, but you just reduce the supply of them, and it creates a huge gap there. Um, and so I think that's what we're seeing today is not only are there shortages of workers, and that leads to things like canceled flights, overcrowded emergency rooms, a lack of public safety, delays, um, but in addition to you know that shortage of workers, is that we're just not able to get the things done that we otherwise would be able to. And so it's really weighing on the economy here, and potentially that labor market could have been much stronger and maybe we wouldn't have a decline in GDP. Yeah, exactly. Talking with my guest this morning, Miss Rachel Gresler. She's a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Go to heritage.org. And um, you can read uh, all of Rachel's work and others. Uh, her last name is G-R-E-S-Z-L-E-R, Rachel Gresler. And uh, it, the one piece that uh, I just referenced uh, about the labor, labor market is a quick read, but very, very uh, informative. It, gets, it just hits all the, the, the highlights. Uh, so it's a quick read if you want to uh, grab that and become more educated. So... I guess I'd really like your opinion on how detrimental it was to pay people not to work. It was hugely detrimental. Um, policymakers needed to do something because governments were shutting down uh, operations. And so we wanted to make sure that people did not lose their jobs as much as they otherwise would and did not lose the income that they needed. But the way that the government went about it paying an extra $600 per week on top of the existing unemployment insurance benefits, making this widely available, oftentimes with no income checks, um, you know, to make sure that you actually were unemployed or you had the income previously that you said you did. It just led to, you know, massive abuse of the system, but also the fact that two-thirds of people could make more money from being unemployed and not accepting a job or going back to work than they could by going back, that was really problematic. And we saw as early on as the summer of 2020, the employers were saying, we just can't get our workers to come back. And that continues to be the case today, even though those unemployment insurance benefits that were supposed to last for about four months, they lasted for 18 instead. So that was a big problem, but those are gone. Yet we still have some welfare benefits that are out there, like the increases in food stamps, um, along with Obamacare, 
subsidy increases that seem to be still holding people back. And that's been a big problem. Yeah, it definitely has. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Miss Rachel Gresler uh, from the Heritage Foundation. She's a senior research fellow there and uh, really covers a lot of interesting things. Uh, we're talking about the jobs market, but also on the other side of the break, we'll talk about uh, Social Security, get her take on that and uh, whatever else we have time for. So stay tuned. Talk behind some TVs Like a pawn shop cast away Started strumming Little nothings I fell in love with the way it played Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab this program and others uh, right there. Uh, Going to finish up our conversation with my guest this morning, Miss Rachel Gresler. She is a senior research fellow, uh, budget and entitlements at the Grover M. Herman Center for the federal budget, uh, covers areas like uh, jobs, labor, social security, uh, pensions, uh, those types of things. And she uh, resides in Bethesda, Maryland, with her husband and their six children. And um, so, Rachel, I mean, again, just a quick overview, I guess. Everybody knows that it seems like, at least what I've said for years, is uh, Social Security it's like watching the end of Thelma and Louise. I mean, they're just headed right for the cliff. And, and I mean, they're doing all this other spending, and they won't admit the insolvency coming for Social Security and Medicare. How do you think that's going to play out? Well, unfortunately, not well. Um, you know, there's a very clear reality here. Social Security is running out of money. Policymakers have no plan to fix it. And generations of Americans have been duped into believing it's a good deal. And the fact that most people love Social Security and think that it's something they own and that it's going to be there for them, you know, for sure in retirement, that's the problem. Um, Not enough people realize what the program actually is, the fact that it's not a very good deal for them, and that it guarantees that basically everybody 55 and younger today is never going to receive a single full benefit. That is what the program, left on its current trajectory, will do, is it'll give you about 75% of what it it says it will. Um, And that translates into thousands of dollars less per year for the average American. And so it isn't nearly everybody's best interest to reform the program today, but it's really become the third rail of politics, and it's difficult to even talk about reforming it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's also... um... It's rather embarrassing that no one has the courage to do that because they get a letter from the trustees every year saying that, look, we've got these shortfalls, we're going to run out of money, we're going to have to increase taxes, we're going to have to lower benefits. And like you said, it's that third rail that everybody's afraid to touch because it's, it's, I guess, political death. Is that what it's all about? I guess that's how politicians view it, Um, but it's really been extremely reckless of them to not do anything. Just this year, Social Security trustees reported that 
the program's unfunded obligations are $20.4 trillion. That is equal to $157,000 for every household in the U.S. That's just how much more the program has promised than it actually can pay. Now, 10 years ago, that was a third of that value. So we're talking more like $50,000 per household. And that's what happens when politicians have failed to do anything, is that the unfunded obligations and thus the costs of reform just explode. But the reality is, is Social Security solutions are really straightforward. And despite the program being in a bad fiscal position, there's actually ways to make it better for everyone because it's a raw deal for a lot of people. It basically says, we're going to take your money today. We're going to spend it, send it immediately out the door to people who are retired. You're never going to get a positive rate of return on it. And you're only going to get what's left over when you retire. Um, so there are simple fixes that could make the program solvent, and then there are other options that could actually help people to build wealth that they own and that they have more control over. I guess it was also kind of a snowball type of uh, situation with the virus because people weren't working, so they weren't contributing uh, Social Security or into Social Security. And like you said, now you've got it where – um, a lot of people still aren't working. We have all those job, you know, millions and millions of job openings. So that's another problem, I would think, for Social Security. It is, because the fewer people that are working and paying into the system today makes its outlook worse for the future. That's not how, you know, it was set up, and it's not how people view it. They think that, hey, I contribute. My money that I put in is going to be set aside, and it's going to be there for me. But that's not how it runs. It's, you know, effectively a pay-as-you-go system now, and every amount that is put in today goes immediately out the door. And so fewer people working today means that the notional trust fund, there is actually no trust fund there, but that that would run out of money sooner and that then the benefit cuts are going to have to be even larger. So we need more people working, but we also need more people to be able to actually own their savings and not to put it into a program that immediately spends it and doesn't really guarantee them any security in retirement. Yeah, total mismanagement. I agree 100%. And, and again, it, it, if you think about it, um, just this is another policy um, or lack of policies and, and things that would fix the system uh, that's going to hurt the most vulnerable. So the poor folks, um, for example, that solely rely on Social Security as their retirement income, if they have reduction in benefits, it's just going to make their life even uh, worse and, and, and more of a struggle. Absolutely. And so those lower-income people who are in retirement now, what happens is it's across-the-board benefit cuts beginning in 2034. You know, that's a dozen years from now. Everybody, whether you are 65 and wealthy or if you're 85 and low-income, same benefit cuts is what's on track right now. And there's also just ways that the program can be a really broad deal to lower income individuals. When you look at, they tend to have lower life expectancies. You know, one in five black men will die between the ages of 45 and 64. That's when they've paid into social security for decades, tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yet they didn't live long enough to collect a benefit and they have nothing left over to pass on to their children. So it's really a way that it can actually hurt people and take away the potential wealth in those transfers that they could pass on to help a grandchild go to school or to help a child buy a home. That's taken from them. 
Thank you so much for sharing that uh, that scenario and statistic. I didn't know that, and I, I'm sure that everybody listening to the program that simply put it into perspective in their mind's eye um, that, you know, that's just one demographic uh, that, that you referenced. But, yeah, something really has to happen, uh, and it has to be very positive. I don't know who's, like I said, who's going to have the courage uh, to step up and, and really address this. And I understand if it's a political suicide, but, um, you know, you also go down in history as a, as a great patriot and, um, and someone that cared about the country and the people that live here. Absolutely. And it's not just a way to, you know, we want to protect the program for those who need it. We want to make it better, but it's actually a way that you can grow the economy as well. And there've been multiple, budget estimates that have shown that if you have a smaller and a better targeted program towards those who need it versus a larger one, our economy would be 7.3% bigger. And that's an additional nearly $11,000 in just income per household, not talking about their social security benefits, but the amount of income that you earn just from going to work and having a job because the economy is bigger. Um, And so we can kind of help grow the economy by making Social Security a better program and making it solvent in the long run as well. Absolutely. Uh, Well said. Our guest this morning has been Miss Rachel Gresler. She's a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. You can find all of her excellent work at heritage.org, including uh, the one article that I referenced uh, that I saw at the end of July about the labor market. And it's just a couple pages, and it really puts everything into perspective. Rachel, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. I know the audience really appreciate it, and I just wish uh, all the best to you and your whole family. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Okay, take care. Again, you can go to uh, heritage.org, and uh, Rachel's last name is G-R-E-S-Z-L-E-R. Obviously, if you're driving, don't try to write that down. Shoot me an email, and I'll get you uh, Rachel's uh, correct spelling so you can go to Heritage and uh, check it out and read all of her good uh, good work. And that does it for us. Unfortunately, we're out of time, um, but uh, I will talk to you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Those are live calls, 550-650-750, every weekday morning when we uh, talk about what happened the previous day and lay out what's uh, – Uh, what's ahead of us on the runway for that current day. Um, And also go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and get our latest white paper. Will a recession rob your retirement? You know, we were just talking about the jobs market and about Social Security. It's so important to make sure that you have all your ducks in line, especially when we get into this deep water and uh, things get uh, extra turbulent with the financial markets and with uh, inflation and the Federal Reserve and on and on. So get that. Will a recession rob your retirement? Four things to check now. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right on the uh, the um, homepage there. It's comp- complimentary. So just click that button. It goes right to your email. So have a great rest of the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Well, my baby, she's a fussing and a cussing as I'm packing the truck. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com, a service of Holtzapel Heating and Air Conditioning. News 
Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.